You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. This week, I want to talk about one of our three core values. We have three core values that we believe, me and Maddie believe. Thank you, sir. And we're going to talk about them over the next three weeks. The first one we're going to talk about, it's all pertaining to different presses that are on this world. So we have a bench press, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we encourage and believe, like we just said, that we want to passionately pursue Jesus in your own life. Next week, we'll talk about the coffee press, and the week after that, the end of the month, we'll talk about the printing press. These are also on our website, but this is our focus. This is our core as a church. This is what we believe, and we're going to look at the scriptures on why we believe it to help each and every person. We believe that you should, in the scriptures of Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. He's writing to a Gentile church. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We take that one little section of the scripture where it says, Work out your salvation. That Paul is instructing the Gentile church, instructing the church of Philippi to work out your salvation. That's why we have the bench press. That's why we use this scripture. Now, I want to encourage you right now that we believe that we are not talking about your actual salvation to gain salvation. We believe that there is only one way to obtain salvation, and that is through Christ alone. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4 is the gospel message. No ifs, ands, or buts that Christ died for your sins. According to the Scriptures, he was buried in the tomb, and he rose again the third day. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The only way that we believe here at this church that you can obtain salvation and come to the Father is through believing in Jesus. In Romans chapter 11, verse 6, Paul is writing to the church of Rome, and he says, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, works is no longer work. And we know this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved. In Romans, it says, if it's grace, then it can't be works. And if it's works, then it can't be grace. They don't intermingle. And in Ephesians, as Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, he says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Verse 9, it is not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, in Philippians, Ephesians, and Romans, all have the same writer, and that's Paul. So, Paul is not going to contradict himself. Paul is not going to say something to one church and then run to another and say something completely against what he just said in another church. So you can read in Philippians where it says, work out your own salvation and automatically think, well, I play some part in me getting into heaven. That's not what he's saying. We see in 
Romans, when he's talking to the church of Rome, he's saying grace is grace and works is work. They don't coexist. He talks to the church of Ephesus, and he says it's for grace alone that gets you saved. It's not your work that can get you there. It's believing and believing only in Jesus. So what is he talking about when he's talking about working out your own salvation? He has to be talking about after the fact of being saved, of working out and walking out a relationship with God and interacting with Him. Humans play a part in this relationship with God. After salvation, we can make a choice today to grow or not to grow. We can make a choice today to work out or not work out. We can make a choice today to go home and eat a whole bunch of candy and cakes, or we can decide to go outside in the hot weather and run a couple miles. I do every once in a while, much like you as well. We get this motivation. Maybe it's a quick look in the mirror or putting on a pair of jeans in the morning thinking, you know what, today's the day. I need to go work out. And I make this big ceremonial thing where put on running shoes, put on some shorts, put on some headphones, and make sure I have the right playlist. And then I go take off running. And for me, walking outside the door to the backyard, to the back lot to go run on, instantly regret working out of any capacity. That we have to understand that we have the ability and the choice after salvation to decide how far am I going to go in my relationship with God. I can't just walk into a gym, put on six plates on both sides, and start bench pressing it today. I would like to. I'd have to call on the angels and whatever strong person was in there to help me. But what he's talking about when it comes to working out your salvation is making the choice to grow or not. We're going to do a, a quick move through 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Paul is writing to his son in the faith. He's writing to a minister, Timothy, a young minister. It's his last book of the Bible. It's the last book, that, the last letter that Paul writes before he dies. And what he does is he writes to his son in the faith. And he's just trying to do a dumpster dive. He's just trying to, to just do this dive of all the information that he can before he dies. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now more than ever in our lives, we are craving as a, as a society, as a humanity, as a community, we are craving truth. As of a couple years ago, fake news was not even a word, did not even make sense. We thought, at least in my age, when Tom Brokaw said it on NBC, that it was fact. That's what happened. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. We weren't. We as a society are craving truth. I want to know what's true so that I can do the right thing. The scripture says that Jesus, his name is truth. That we can believe what that book says. 
And here you can see the working out as he's telling Timothy, be diligent. Which means you've got to be focused on it to present yourself approved to God constantly. You're already saved. You've been transformed from sinner to righteous. The scripture says that he who knew no sin became sin in 2 Corinthians so that we might be called the righteousness of God. We are now sons and daughters of the most high God as we said yes to Jesus. Jesus has said yes to us and now it is time for us to work on our relationship and to be diligent as we go through life. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. There's no shame knowing that you are on God's side rightly dividing the word of truth. How can you divide the word of truth if you aren't in the truth, reading and understanding what that truth is? Let's jump one chapter over, 2 Timothy 3.15. That is not the scripture that I have. Sorry. Scripture that I have with the wrong reference. It's in Timothy, though. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That we believe that all scripture is inspired and given and gifted by God. This book right here was written by man, but spoken through God. Man wrote it down. They combined the pages together for us to have. This is your manual. This is your workout manual to know what to do and how to grow. That it's profitable. That this word of God that's inspired by God, it's profitable for doctrine what you can base your theology on for reproof, for correction, to help you on your course. When you've got the GPA on, not the GPA, GPS. <laughs> the GPS going, and you take a left when you should have taken a right, all of a sudden, the GPS says auto-correcting, and it starts scrambling and moving and all those things to get you back on course. That's what this is for. As soon as you're going the wrong way, you can read this book and it's for correction. You can say, no, don't go that way, go this way. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The scripture says, choose life for instructions in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. Hey, there we go, that's the right scripture. Now, Paul is speaking to a minister. He's speaking to his son of the faith. And he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, extort with all longsuffering and teaching. My pastor, you've met him before, Pastor Eric, loves this scripture. And the reason he loves this scripture is because he would always tell us, you've got to be ready in season and out of season, which meant at any point in time, he could call you up on stage and tell you to preach or say or do something, which was terrifying all the time, because you'd be trying to do whatever you were doing. And even when I go back in the middle of worship, maybe the last song, or he'll be up on stage and he'll say, oh, Jeremiah's going to come up here and talk about offering. Uh, I'm doing what? Yes, sir. So he always does this to us and us young ministers. He says, you've got to be re ready in season and out of season. But we're not all called to full-time ministry. We're not all called to be pastors, to stand up here and preach. But it's encouraging to know and encouraging you 
to preach the word. Sometimes you've got to preach the word to yourself. Sometimes nobody else is going to be around. Paul said that in the scriptures. He said, I'm glad that you're obeying when I'm here, but what happens when I'm not? Me as your pastor, I, I can't be with you 24-7. I can't make every decision for you. That's exhausting, honestly. I can't go with you to work and hold your hand and say, are you really going to tell that joke? Oh, yeah, no, I shouldn't say that. Are you really going to do that? Are we really going to go here? That's not the way that God designed and set up the church. Because what he did is he put the Holy Spirit inside you. And he's the one. He says that he's called the helper and the comforter. He's going to help you preach the word. But you need to be ready in season and out of season. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in your life. I don't know what's going to happen this month. It says in the scriptures that it rains on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people. And you've got to be ready in life to be prepared, knowing the word, that when something comes against you, it doesn't knock you down for the rest of the year. It doesn't take you the rest of the month to try to recover and get back up from it. Oh, well, it's just that time of the month when I get depressed and I get struggling with this and I get my thoughts and all that. No, no, no. Be ready in season and out of season. I'm not going to let that depression hold on to me anymore. I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm not going to be the same person that I was when I got saved five minutes ago, five years ago, or five decades ago. Me and God are going to have a relationship. I'm going to hear his voice more. I'm going to encounter him more. It's what we here at Press Church so encourage you to work out that salvation. Go and find out who you are in Christ. We have an identity crisis in this world right now. Everybody is out there identifying as whatever they want because they quit identifying with who they are in Christ. Go read Ephesians. Go read Ephesians chapter 1 where it constantly says, in Christ, in Christ, you are this, in Christ. Hey, guess what? In Christ, you are this. We've got an identity crisis because we've gotten away from the church telling people who they should be identifying with. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus Diaco pressing unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside every sin that's trying to ensnare you and run with endurance. Be focused on who you're running after, and that's the man Jesus Christ. There is a competition, you may have heard of it before, called Mr. Olympia. It's a professional men's bodybuilding contest. Started back in 1965, and the first person to win was the, a man by the name of Larry Scott. The prize for winning was $1,000. Congratulations, 1965. The prize today in 2020. The next competition is in 2021 in October, is $400,000. Do 
You may have heard of Mr. Olympia the competition before because Arnold Schwarzenegger won it seven times. But he doesn't hold the record. There's two other men, Ronnie Coleman, you may have heard of him, and Lee Haney, who have won it eight times and won it eight times consecutively. These are very, very, very large men. Now what if in October... I looked at the website last night, and there's a form that you could submit to join, try and get in the competition. So I figured I'd put in my paperwork. I've been doing some push-ups recently. I'm offended by your laughing, but I'll let it slide. Because that makes no sense. These men have 20, 22, 25, 30-inch arms and biceps and muscles. I think I'm around negative two in regards to biceps and muscles if we measure them. But if I put in training, if I devoted my life like these men, I remember watching a video once of Jay Cutler, who's another man, I think he's won four or five times as well, his eating pattern and how much he ate and protein, and supplements, and all of these things that he was eating, chicken and rice, but he also ate the same thing at the same time, day after day after day. He said, I always eat two eggs in the morning. The video I was watching, he got this big gallon jug thing of egg whites, and he's pouring it into a shake with ice. He said, I drink that in the morning. Well, that's disgusting. I don't want to do that. He said, I eat two eggs in the morning. I eat, and then a couple hours later, he was eating a couple bowls of oatmeal. He was taking these supplements. He was taking all these pills. And then he was, uh, after workout, he said, I always eat a teriyaki bowl, which is uh, one cup of rice and a couple strips of chicken. And I put teriyaki sauce on it for flavor. And then at night, he fixed another meal that now he was making himself with a, a food company. And he eats it every time, five, six, seven meals. He works out two to three times a day. And it's just regimented time after time after time. He puts in all this work, and he, along with these other men, have become and been crowned Mr. Olympia, this bodybuilding competition that's worldwide, that's known. And we can look at those men and think, well, I wish I could be like that as I'm eating 14 donuts <laughs> Me and my wife have been watching movies here recently, and we've been on this popcorn and M&M's kick. I don't know how many bags of, pop, of M&M's and popcorn we've gone through in the last two weeks. It's a lot, more than I should admit. But I would never be able to go to Mr. Olympia by just eating popcorns and M&M's. You could think of the most spiritual person in your family, and you could think, man, I would never be... I could never be like them. You could think of the most spiritual person, pastor, whoever that you have ever experienced in your life and thought, there's no way that I could ever be like them. But you could, because the scripture says that you can work out your salvation. You can do it. You can become however far 
You want to become in regards to your relationship with God. See, that's what's special about this religion. That's what's special about Christianity. Every other religion is just you trying to get to God, maybe one day getting there. Hopefully, if you do enough good, if you work out here, if you do this there. No, no, no. God didn't wait for you to come to him. He sent his son to come down to you. And now you, as long as me, have access to him. You can work out your salvation as much as you want. You want to know more about healing? You can read the book. You want to know more about salvation being free in your mind? You can read the book. You want to talk with him? You want to hear his voice? He's open and ready to do that. Whatever you want in this Christian walk is open and accessible to him. In him, it says, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen means let it be. So be it. When I became pastor, I've been in ministry for over 10 years now, when I became head pastor here, I did not receive any type of new Bible. I did not get a call or an email or a text or an angel visiting my door saying, you're a head pastor of a church now, here's a new Bible. I didn't get a gold card from heaven that says, this is how you be a minister, this is how you pray for people, this is how you preach, this is how, I didn't get anything from heaven. I wish I did. I wish I got a letter, I wish I got a new Bible, a gold-plated one that told me nobody else has this except for head pastors. I didn't get that. I've got the same book that you've got, which means you have the same access that I have to God, working out your salvation. You have the opportunity to work out your own salvation and relationship with God by learning and believing in faith for all the promises, blessings, and help you need that Jesus paid for. We're almost done. Next thing that I want to highlight in regards to that scripture of Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yikes. That doesn't sound fun. Well, let's talk about it. Let's look at what the Bible says. We believe that when it comes to studying the scriptures that the Bible will interpret itself. If there's something that we read that looks confusing or sounds confusing, we can go and read other parts of the Bible which will help us read and interpret what is actually being said. We have to understand that Paul wrote these different books of the Bible, so therefore he's not going to contradict himself because Jesus was the one that was giving him the revelation to write down, and Jesus isn't going to contradict himself. So what does it mean by fear and trembling? The Greek word there is phobos and tromos, and it means used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his ability completely to meet all the requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, meaning that we're doing what we can. We're reading the Bible, we're applying our faith, we're talking with God, we're working it out. I don't have all the answers. I don't, I've got concerns, I've got questions, I've got things in my own life that me and God are talking about and working through, that you have things that are going on in your life. That Paul admonishes the congregation of the church, if you read in Philippians chapter 2, on their obedience when he is present and encourages them to obey his teaching when he is absent. If you read the beginning of chapter 2, Paul encourages the church to help each other and be unified and then reminds them that Christ humbled himself to then be exalted. Fear and trembling is obeying what you know to do and then allowing God to help you with the rest. 
Paul is not talking about being fearful of losing your salvation or not doing Christianity correctly. If we read other passages in the Bible, in Paul's writing, he references fear and trembling a couple of different times. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. This is Paul writing to another church, the church of Corinth. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Verse 4 says, In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. Verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Look at Paul right here. This is Paul who says in other scriptures that he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. That he says that he prays in tongues more than all of you. That he writes all of these books, starts all these churches, and he's writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, I came to you in fear and trembling. He said, because I'm not a good speaker, which gives me hope. With God using Paul as much as he did, and Paul saying, I'm not the greatest of public speakers, but I just came with what I knew and what God had showed me, and with his power and his spirit behind me, and we saw God show up and manifest. So if he can use Paul, then he can use this Cajun from Louisiana to say some words, whether it's GPA or GPS, doesn't matter. We can use some words. God can help us. He says here that he was operating in fear and trembling. Paul's not a fearful guy. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. Here's another example. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasings, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now we know through the history of this world and the history of America, that slavery is not right. It is not right for one man to own another man. We know that. But that was the custom back then. But what was interesting about Christianity, what was interesting about Paul and what Jesus was doing through Paul, is that he was acknowledging the social status of servants and slaves back then. They were considered subhuman. They were considered part of property. They weren't even looked at or acknowledged. And in the Bible, we see that God, and through Paul, is speaking to the servants and speaking to the masters and teaching them on how to handle that relationship. He's telling the masters to take care of their servants in their household. He's telling the servants to take care of and be obedient to the masters. They weren't even acknowledged back then. They weren't even seen as humanity. But God, being so gracious, starts speaking and starts the transition and the turning and the changing of the tides all the way back then, recognizing and acknowledging that slavery was not his intended purpose. So we see throughout Paul's writing that he has this statement of fear and trembling. But it's not in coercion. It's not in the context of me in the corner, ah, trembling in fear of, oh, is God going to hit me? Is God going to strike me down dead because I did this or that? No, no, he's saying, you do what you can in reverence, and I'll do the rest. Look at 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 through 7. Okay, that's the right one. Paul Writing to Timothy, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Look at verse 7. 
We know this scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Paul cannot be contradicting himself by writing to all these churches of saying, you should go out there and work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and then go to his son in the faith and say, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Don't be fearful. And then stand up in front of the churches and say, you must be fearful in regards to your salvation. See how it, it, we just read the scriptures. We just see what Paul is writing and we can see this overall theological understanding of what Jesus is trying to present to Paul who is then trying to present to the Gentile church. That God, once again, working out your salvation, he wants you to play a part in this relationship. He wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk to him. He wants you to ask him for things and he wants to ask you for things. He wants to give you things and he wants you to give him things. And as we go on this journey with God, as we go on this walk with God and work out our own salvation, all of a sudden we start seeing some spiritual muscles developing. I'm not dealing with the same sin that I was dealing with when I came to Christ 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I'm not dealing with the same issues that I dealt with last year. I'm not dealing with those things anymore. I'm growing up. I'm getting spiritually mature. Paul talks about it time and time again. He says, some of y'all need milk because y'all are still babies in, in Christ, but some of y'all need meat. And I'm trying to feed you meat to get you stronger, to get you ready to go out there and be a soldier and a warrior and who you're supposed to be in Christ. And some of y'all still need milk. I've still got to feed you this baby food because you've decided you're not going to work out your own salvation. You decided, I'm just going to coast through. I'm good with being saved and going to heaven. I don't want to know anything else. I'll talk to God every once in a while. I'll go to church every once in a while. And then when the storm clouds come and they knock you down, you're not ready in season and out of season. The last thing I want to highlight, and I'm finishing with this, is the last part of the scripture. How can I work out my salvation? I mean, I've, I've failed in so many different ways in my life. How can I do this? How can I grow as a Christian, I'm glad you asked that today. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you. Oh, okay. So that's where it is. How can I work out my own salvation? Oh, well, God's working in me. So if God's working in me, then therefore he can help work out of me as well. That God is on your side. What can man do to you? I choose to not fear, it says in Psalms. We work out our own salvation because it is God who works in us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, my last scripture. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, look at this, that works in us. Verse 21 continues, to him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works 
in us. We think when it comes to working out our own salvation that all of that work falls on us. Well, I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to pray more. I've got to fast more. I've got to take communion more. I've got to give more. I've got to do this more. I've got to do this more. It's not about works because he says it's not just you working out your salvation. It's me working in you, with you, through you, and for you. Do you see how much God wants to help you and be on your side? He's not just putting this whole Christian walk on you. It's not a slave master with a whip telling you, go do this, go do that. If I say yes to God, he's going to put me in Africa somewhere in a mud hut for the rest of my life. No, no, no. It says he'll give us the desires of our heart. That God has placed something inside of you that is vital to this community, that is vital to this part of your family, to this time frame, to this circle of life and influence, that now is the time that God is calling us up higher to be who we are and to show who he is through us. If I decide that I want to work out and I just show up to the gym, you've probably seen it before, those videos of workout fails where there's somebody on a machine with their phone and they're filming somebody across the way on a machine, and the machine's supposed to be like this, but they're filming this guy, usually looks like me, real skinny, somehow in spandex, and his leg is wrapped around the top of the machine, and the machine's doing this, and everybody's walking by being like, who is this guy? What is he doing? If you just go work out, it, I don't know how to work out. I can lift the bar, can do some push-ups, but I need somebody to help me, that I can hire a trainer, or I can go on YouTube and I can watch somebody do a workout video, and he or she is telling me what to do. Make sure when you do your push-ups, your arms aren't this far apart. They're closer in together. They're in this position. If you're going to lift weights, make sure you're lifting correctly. Put all the tension in your lower back and lift as much heavy weights as you can. All right, here we go. No, I need a trainer. I need somebody to help me, show me, and walk me alongside so I can get the intended and desired results. I might not want to be Mr. Olympia and have all these massive muscles. I might not even want a six-pack. Could I have a, a one-pack, a half-pack, a quarter of a pack? Could I just lose my M&M belly? Could I just get a little definition here, a little definition there? But we have this trainer that we can talk to who can help us and guide us in the gym to help us achieve the potential that we want. God has done the same thing for you. He has given you a trainer and he's given you a free trainer that is inside of you called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it says, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will show you the things that Jesus has said, is what Jesus said in John. The Holy Spirit is your trainer. He is your helper. He is your guide. You want to know you're dealing with sickness in your body and you want to know how to be healed? Ask your trainer. 
And he's going to help work out your salvation. He's going to help you on that journey. You want to know more about God? You want to know more about your identity in Christ? You want to know more how to be free from addiction? You want to know more how to be a giver? You want to know more about anything that you want in regards to God to work out your salvation? You have free access to ask your trainer, the Holy Spirit, and say, teach me and show me how to do this. And I guarantee you, if you go on that journey, if you start working out your salvation, you will notice that the things that held you down six months ago, a year, ten years ago, will suddenly not affect you anymore. Knowing, well, if I see that person and with the trauma and the drama that they did to me so many years ago, if I talk with them, I'm going to get that angst again. They're going to tear me down. They're going to, they're going to do this. If your marriage is failing, if, if your relationship with your kids is struggling, start talking and working out with the Holy Spirit and ask Him for help. Because you do your part, and I guarantee you He's going to do the rest of it. A bench press. One of our core values that we at this church will do whatever we can to help you achieve the relationship with God that you want. That's why we bring in as many guest speakers as we can, men and women that I trust and that I love that have poured into my life, that have helped me grow spiritually. That's why we try and get Bibles to you. That's why we try and get books to you. That's why we do Bible studies and prayer nights and these different things is to give you as much opportunity as far as you want to go with God, we want to be available to you. I've had people here before ask about a certain topic, and I can give you scriptures on what to study and what to look, but I have people who ask, I'm trying to study this, or I need to know this, or I'm struggling with this. Well, I've got a book that you can read. I call my resources, and I say, hey, I've got somebody in the congregation who's dealing with this. What do you recommend? Well, I used this book before. I've talked to this counselor before. I've gone to this website before that we at this church will do whatever we can. We will add as much weights as we can to your workout regiment to help you become the man or woman of God that you want to be because it's, it's limitless and it's open. God wants to have a relationship with you. As we stand up, I want to tell you as we finish up, I'll pray here now, that next week we're going to talk about the coffee press. And the scripture in Hebrews says that you should not forsake the assembling of the brethren. We're going to talk about why it's so important that we come together in this church body together to have church together. So make sure you're here next week to talk about the coffee press. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the ability to read your word and not only read it, but interpret it and understand it, Father, that we can go through the scriptures and see that your scripture interprets scripture. And so if we have questions, if we have concerns, if we have issues, Father, that we can take time to study your scripture and see the answers, to hear your voice, and to ultimately be led into truth. That is what we crave, that is what we desire, is for truth. Because it says in the scriptures that if you know the truth, that truth will set you free. So, Father, we ask today to know the truth, to experience freedom for what we need. Father, I thank you that you have your sons and daughters set before you, and they're at all different avenues and stages of their life, that they are at different avenues of working out their salvation, Father. There are some that are still baby Christians. There are some who have been in the faith for a long time that need some refreshing, Father. And I ask you, Father, today to feed them. 
feed them what they need to help them on their journey in life, whatever they need to help them become the man or woman of God, the relationship that they can have with you, help them today. Father, speak to them and encourage them. Give them wisdom on what to do, where to go, and how to work out their salvation so that we can passionately pursue you because we want to be soldiers in your army. We want to be men and women of God who can go out, like the Great Commission says, and lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, that we can speak to the dead and call them back to life, that we can look at people who are demon-oppressed and cast out those demons so that freedom can come to their minds, Father. So that if any evil tries to come against us, any poison tries to come against us, we can shake it off. Even if we inject it, Father, we are not phased by it because we're ready in season and out of season. We are ready to preach the Word of God. We're ready to preach the Word of God to anybody who comes in contact with us. We're ready to preach the Word of God to ourselves. We're ready to preach the Word of God to the devil. We're ready to preach the Word of God to anybody at any time and let them know what the truth is so that freedom can come to that situation. Father, I thank you for your people today. I pray scriptures and blessings over them today that they have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you that your word says that by Jesus' stripes they are already healed. Father, I thank you that your word says that they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they are blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to must prosper. And Father, I thank you that I am in a room full of people who are the salt and light of the earth. They are a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, bless your people. Help your people. As we go out, let us be a shining light to each and every person we come in contact with. Now, Father, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them and give them peace and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We will see you next week in Jesus' name. Take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.